I want you to open your Bible this morning to Luke chapter 5. I had no idea that well, the first testimony would start there, but Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> and uh, how many of you like to take tests? All right. That's, how many of you? Very few raise their hands on that one. <clears throat> Taking tests is a challenge. But I'll be honest with you, it's harder for the teacher to make the test than it is for you to take them. Because we work hard at it, and we put a true and false one in there just to be easy, and then the student reads way too much in, into it and misses it. <laughs> How many of y'all have ever done that? Okay, Anal- overanalyze it anyway. Luke chapter 5, <clears throat> Peter was <clears throat> being tested. And we're going to talk about in just a little bit. I have five questions on the test today. And since I'm grading, no, I'm not really grading them. Only the Lord can grade, grade these questions, but that will be what, what I speak about this morning. Would you, would you stand with me if you would? Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to read the first 11 verses. How many of you love the Word of God? I tell you, young people, just don't never get over it. Get up in the morning. We're not young people, Lynn and I, but we get up every morning. We just look forward to reading God's Word and having Him deal with our hearts and help us. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon Him to hear the Word of God, He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and and were washing their nets. And He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they, they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of fish which they had taken, And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, uh, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought the ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Lord, help us today to follow you completely. I pray if there any person today struggling with some issues in their lives and they've not yet said, Lord, it's yours. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And I pray that you work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Great story here, but you really have to go back and read chapter 4. How many of you know, I know you've heard your teachers say it, the context is important. And in chapter 4, Jesus had returned from being tempted by the devil. But when he returned, he came in the power of the Holy Spirit of God and he'd gone from Galilee to Nazareth, and he entered into the synagogue. And in chap- I'm not going to read much there, but one verse in chapter 4. And Jesus said, 
to those people. He had opened up the scripture and he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the deliverance to the captives and recovering of sights to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And Jesus told them there who he was and the people were astonished when they saw this man from Nazareth who could cast out demons, who could heal the sick. And no wonder then that the people wanted to hear him. Because as we come into chapter 5, they pressed upon him. Now, you probably have not done it. Maybe you have. Some of the professors and pastors may have done it. But have you ever tried to preach when people are standing like one foot right in front of you? And there's a crowd, and that's one of the most difficult ways to have to preach I can imagine. When we first went to synagogue, I've always been full of curiosity. I'm still that way. I want to know why people do things and ask a lot of questions. And every time we heard the tom-toms beating there, and it, it, a wedding, a funeral, anything, birthday, they had big, they'd start beating the tom-toms. They'd kill a cow, and everybody would come from all the area. <clears throat> so one evening I heard the tom-toms beating, and I thought, I'm going to go see what that is. So I went out there, and it was getting not, not dark, but it was in the evening, and it was a Senegalese wrestling match. Now that is something. Senegalese wrestling is like Greco-Roman. I mean, they get up there and they put oil all over their body and they throw salt around and they're big old guys, you know. <clears throat> but then they start fighting and as soon as one of them hits the ground, it's over. But I was there and I never watched one before and I thought this will be interesting. But I get, <clears throat> I get where I'm going early. I'm not going to be late. I just, I'm usually too early when I go places. But here I stand, the match was not started yet, and the ring, it was just a sandy area, and they had some sticks in the ground and a rope, just one rope around the wrestling match. Well, I'm the first person there. So I'm standing up near that rope, and I was watching what they were doing and enjoying it, but then I didn't notice that people kept coming, and they kept coming, and they kept coming, and there were hundreds of people all the way around this rope, and and there I stand at the rope. There's nothing to hold on to. And everybody behind me is now, they're trying, they're trying to watch. And they're pushing and they're shoving. And I'm standing there at that rope, digging in, trying not to end up in the match with those two African wrestlers. <laughs> no wonder when people saw Jesus, they pressed upon him. And here in this story, they, they wanted to hear him. Um, and they pushed to see. But Jesus stepped into a little boat. And that day from that little boat, he preached to the crowd. But his sermon was not, <clears throat> it was to the crowd, but really it was to one man who needed to hear him that day. Have you ever been in the church service when the pastor is preaching or the evangelist is preaching and he's preaching to everyone, but you know he's really preaching to you? And there was one man in this crowd that day, he really needed to hear what Jesus was saying. And as, as Jesus preached, his purpose was for one man to hear 
because when we hear the message of Christ, the purpose of it is to transform our lives. He doesn't want us to stay the way we were. He wants us to grow. He wants us to improve. And here in this setting by the Sea of Galilee, Sea of Tiberias, some people called it, Luke called it a lake. Uh, he had traveled a little more. He probably had traveled across the Mediterranean. He called it a lake. They tell us it was beautiful. It still is populated area at that time. Thousands of people lived along the shores of the lake. And the message this day, as Jesus proclaims it, was for Simon Peter. Wasn't the first time that Simon Peter had met Jesus. He'd met him back in John chapter 1, when John the Baptist had been preaching and baptizing. And then one day Jesus comes walking in and John looks at him and says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And people heard that message and they believed. They knew the Jewish people. They knew all the Old Testament history. They knew that Lamb had to be slain. And John said, Behold the Lamb of God. And some of the people that heard it, they went to tell their brothers and other people about it. And Simon Peter was one of those And I think in John chapter 1, you see Peter meeting the Lord in salvation. Now, that's great when you get saved, isn't it? But when you get saved, that's just the beginning. Then there's the adventure I talked about the other on uh, whatever day, Tuesday. Uh, He got saved. It changed his life. I got saved. it, it, It changed my life. I wish I had been disciple earlier. But that was the first time Simon Peter had seen Jesus. The second time is in Matthew chapter 4, and I'm not going to read the verses, but there Peter and James and John, they were again at their task of fishing, and Jesus passed by, and he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Now I wonder how many of you, you've heard that call from Jesus. You got saved, and one day you heard him say, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now I like fish. I don't like to fish. I just like fish. I like to eat them. Jesus said, you won't be be catching fish so much anymore, but I'll make you fishers of men. And here I see Peter surrendering to a call upon his life to full-time Christian service, discipleship, soul winning ministry, whatever you want to call it. There's a stage in our life when we get saved But sometime later, sometimes it's that day, sometimes it's a a month, sometimes it's a year, sometimes it's longer, when the Lord says, I want you not to be so occupied in all these other things. I want you to catch men. I want you to help other people have their lives changed. But Jesus wanted more from Simon Peter than just being totally surrendered to ministry. Brother Godfrey, really? Is there more to it? I mean, I've surrendered to ministry to serve the Lord and to be a fisher of men. I've done that. Is there more? Well, certainly in the life of Simon Peter, there was more because Jesus wanted him to be an apostle, a sent one. And he came to Peter right in the middle of Peter's ordinary daily work of life. And I've told that story. How many of you... I would identify with every step of that way. I remember I've been a Christian now for 60 years. Most of you can't even think that old, let alone be it. 
I've been a Christian for 60 years. I got saved when I was 12. At 16, I surrendered to the Lord to do whatever He wanted me to do. And I really meant that. By the way, I've never changed. I've never changed from that. 56 years ago, I just said, Lord, I don't understand it. It scared me to death. I don't know what you want me to do, but whatever it is. In fact, when I proposed to Linda and uh, we were we broke all the rules. I shouldn't tell you that. We were, we were way too young. I had to marry an older lady. I was so young. I'd, anyway. <laughs> when I proposed to her, I said, I know God has called me, but I don't know where. I mean, it might be Japan. It might be France. It might be Central America. I don't know. I just know God wants us, what God wants me to be a missionary and that's the way I proposed marriage to her, that if you marry me, just know that wherever God wants us to go. And so at that point of time, we jumped in. Well, we were already serving the Lord, but we just jumped in, and, and uh, we've never slacked up on that. We left South Carolina, moved to Tennessee to go to Bible college, and the first weekend at Bible college, we went to a bus pastor's meeting. I didn't know a soul. And M.J. Parker, who started the bus ministry at Highland Park Baptist Church, I spoke to him and I said, sir, I don't know anybody. We'd like to find, a, find another couple that we could go out soul winning with and run a bus route. And we ran our bus route from Chattanooga. Uh, we're close to the Georgia state line. So our bus route, we, we ran down into Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia and Chickamauga Battlefield. We joked back then that we met Curtis Hudson's buses coming up out of Atlanta, but it was pretty close to the truth. And I'm just saying that we were young and I didn't know all that God was going to do, but we surrendered at a point in our life just like Simon Peter and James and John did. Lord, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And we believed that and we just jumped in. But there came a, a time in my life when we were, I moved over to Bible college. I had not taken a class yet, but I was there. and we'd, You know, don't you find sometimes it's when you take one step of faith and obedience He'll tell you about the next one. But you got to take that step before he'll tell you. And we were there, and I had a little Baptist newspaper with me, Dr. John Waters. Anybody old enough to know Dr. Waters, pastor down in Lawrence, South Carolina, for many years, and dear friend to me. Uh, Missionary Dan Truex had written just the four or five lines in that little newspaper about the need to reach Muslim people out in the Sahara. Boy, and I read that. And even though I was surrendered, every time, at that point, every time I heard a missionary, I wanted to go there, wherever it was. I'm kind of still that way. When I go to different countries, I could stay there. But God has a specific will for all of us. And that day I read that article. And even though I had a burden for all the rest of the world, God used that to put a burden on my heart to obey and I've found it in my life that, that that's often the way, maybe I would even say always the way God works is one step at a time. You got to get saved. When you get saved, you surrender. Well, you say, Brother God, for you're going to give us the test. I am. So from this story of Simon Peter and Christ preaching his message here, there are five test questions. You don't have to write, the, you don't have to write them down, but Write them down in your heart if you want to write them down too to remember. But here's the first question on Peter's test. Jesus is in his boat. 
He's listening to him. And Jesus said, Peter, will you give me your boat? My boat, Lord? That's my livelihood. That's how I make my living. Lord, you want my boat? Peter's was not the only boat there that day. There were other fishermen. There were other ships there that day. But Jesus said to him, Will you give me, Peter, will you give me, well, it might not be a boat for you. It might be a laptop. It might be a hobby. It might be a home. It might be staying close to mom and dad. I don't know what it is, but I know this. God can't use a lot of us today because we're so tied to stuff. Sorry. You're here and some of you don't have this problem, but did you know that most people I'm around, uh, their homes have a garage attached, but they can't park their car in the garage because they got so much junk in there. And then on top of that, most of us Americans, we have our garage filled with things and the house filled with things and the shed out back filled. And then we have to rent a storage locker to put the rest of it. <laughs> and Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you give me your boat. It wasn't a command, it was more of a request. Peter, would you give me your possessions? Otis Seals just... Two Wednesdays ago, I think Linda and I went to the funeral of missionary Otis Seals. He didn't get saved until he was 26 years old. He came home one day. They never went to church, he and his family, but he came home one day and said to his wife and the kids, get ready, we're going to go to church tonight. And they went to church. It was a revival meeting. They had a guest speaker and the Holy Spirit was working on him that night. But the invitation was given, given, and he did not respond. But the pastor got up and said, somebody here tonight needs to get saved. And Otis Seals left his seat and came to the altar, and the pastor won him to Christ. 26 years old, worked a job. The next day he went to the job and says, I got saved last night. I cannot continue to do this job because it's not honoring to Christ. And the bosses said, go take a break for a couple of weeks and come back and your job will be waiting on you. But he served the Lord on the mission field for 58 years and never went back to that job. Are we tied to stuff, a house, a job, a family? I guess the, I could say it this way. God is saying to us, is there anything in your life that will keep you from serving me? First question on the test. Will you give me your boat? Will you give me whatever it is that may be holding you back from surrendering? And then Christ asked the second question on the test. Peter, <laughs> uh, I not only want your boat, I want you with it. Peter, will you give me your time? Now, you have to picture, I read it, I'm not going to reread it. You have to picture what's going on here. Peter and his crew had been out fishing all night long, and they had not caught anything. He had to be frustrated. Any deer hunters here? 
How many of you have been sitting up in the sitting in the blind or up in the tree stand and waiting and waiting and nothing happens or fishing and the fish are not biting? And, and Christ is saying to Peter, Peter, is your time my time? There's so many people today that say, I don't have time to go to church. I'm too busy for all those things. Ministry, if I surrender to ministry, it's all day and it's all time, all the time. And it is, but it's great, okay? Can you answer that question to the Lord today? Is your time His time? Now, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to having fun. No one likes, no one has much more of a sense of humor than I do. I see the funny when sometimes other people don't see it. There's nothing wrong with that, and we certainly have, need to have our interests. We need to have some hobbies, we, but we, don't let, we, we need not let any of those keep us from serving our Savior. Can I have your time? Well, the third question comes along, and it's getting a little harder as each question comes up. Peter, will you give me your boat? Will you, will you let me have your time? Will your time be my time? We, and the third question is this, Peter... Will you yield your will to me? You know, when people have a will to do something, they usually try to do it. I can almost picture Peter thinking, Lord, you just don't get it. I mean, we have been, we are fishermen. We, we're professionals. We've been doing this. What does a carpenter know about fishing? Somebody else can do it. Jesus said, Peter, would you change your plans for me? Some of y'all have already faced that question, and you're here at Bible College, and I'm glad you're here. But God brought you here for not just to sit sit in a classroom and in the chapel, God brought you here to change your lives so that you hear preachers and missionaries stand up and say, will you change your life's plan for me? We surrendered a long time ago to go to Africa. We thought we'd live and die in Africa. If you'd ever told me in the early years of our, life, of our marriage, y'all end up somewhere else, especially Landrum, South Carolina. I would have said, there's no way that's going to happen. But I had told him a long time ago, Lord, whatever your plan is for me, that's what I want to do. I highly recommend that. Some of you right now, you're taking, <laughs> I get myself in trouble here. Some of you are taking a pastoral major. And you need to pray, Lord, would you help me use that skill on the mission field? Now, I don't believe God wants everybody to go to a different country, but I do think God wants every one of us to face that possibility and to be willing to do it. Of course, you know missions, it's not just going to Russia and it's not just going to Zaire or Senegal or, or Japan. It might be going across the street. King's Mountain, they got a great need for it, wherever it's at. Missions is reaching people all over the world. Do you think that Peter didn't catch any fish that night and it was accidental? 
Now, I don't know how God did it, but God sent all those fish in the Sea of Galilee on vacation that night. <laughs> Jesus said, Peter, let down your nets. And uh, Peter contradicts Jesus, and he, he went part way. And I would say this, put all your nets into the water of the will of God and just watch God work. Well, would you, would you yield him your will? Test question number four. Peter, so far so good. But Peter, will you give me your pride? You go back to this story. As soon as those nets hit the water and they were full of fish, Peter fell at Christ's feet. And a man is seldom as tall as when he kneels before his maker in an act of deep humility coupled with worship. Now what made the difference here in this whole story? Watch it. Peter knew that Christ was the Messiah, the Savior already. He had been saved. Peter knew that he was the Master. He was the Lord. But the moment that day when those nets hit the water and they were full of fish, I think Peter realized something about Jesus. Maybe he already knew it, but it never it hadn't made that big impression upon him. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, and it made such a difference that he falls on his face before Christ and says, you're my Lord, and you're my God, and you're my Master. Well, we yield our pride to him. How many, don't raise your hands, how many of you are full of pride? If I said raise your hands, I'd have to put mine up first because the truth is we all act very often based on our pride. But Peter realized that day who Jesus was and his pride was gone. And then here's my fifth question. Somebody say, amen, I'm working on this. <laughs> Peter, will you give me your love? Now I preached on that Tuesday, but I believe it with all my heart. When you really love Christ with all of your heart, it changes everything about you and your life and your family. And when Peter said that, and he answered it correctly, he and the other men here, they forsook all. They caught all those fish. What do you think they did with the fish? Well, I think they ate them. I think they sold them, and that went to help provide for their families. Do you think Peter then asked the question, where do you want me to go, Lord? Lord, just don't tell me to go to Japan. Don't send me to New York City. Don't send... No, no, no. Now watch it, young people. When we surrender our will, our pride, and everything we have to the Lord, we're not going to be so concerned about, Lord, where do you want me to go? Can I say this to you, that the place is the least important thing in God's will? Because when you say, Lord, wherever it is, I'll go there. Then he will get you to that place in his time. They don't care about the boat anymore. They don't care about the job anymore. They don't care about retirement anymore. Peter said, Lord, I've had enough. Let me alone. I'll do anything you want me to do. And of course, he did it with joy. Now think about this. 
Jesus wanted Peter to be a sent one, an apostle. What if Peter failed his test? Well, I tell you, if Peter had failed this test that day, just think about it. Number one, he would never have become an apostle of Jesus Christ. He would have never gone up that mountain and seen Christ transform. He would have never seen the miracles and heard the sermons. If Peter had failed the test this day, you would not have a first Peter and a second Peter in this holy book. How many of you glad they're there? Book of comfort and a book of warning. They're there because Peter passed the test. If Peter failed his test, you'd have to cut out about most all of Acts chapter 1 through 12. What if William Carey had failed his test? What if Adnan Judson had failed his test? What if Jim Elliott had failed his test? What if J.B. Godfrey had failed his test? What if you fail your test? I pray that you won't. February this month, 1967. Little backward country hillbilly boy who knew very little about the Bible, very little about anything much. But on that day, it happened last 56 years ago last week. I surrendered my will to the Lord. When I think about that, <laughs> one second of life. One second of time can change your life for the good or the bad. When I, I think about what I lost, <laughs> you know what I lost when I surrendered to Christ? I'm still thinking I haven't found anything yet. My sins may, I, what did I lose? I don't really know much about that, but I'll tell you what I gained. a life of joy and fulfillment that I really can't even describe to you. But I hope you all have it. I hope, I hope every one of you would say, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do. I like verse 11. It's a good place to end. It says this, Having left the boats, the fish, their work, and their families, and their home, they gain Christ." And I hope you have that joy of knowing that Christ is not only your Savior, not only your Master, but He's your Lord and your God. And Lord, I pray for every one of us today as we think about our lives. I pray there would not be one person in this building who would waste their lives on frivolities and things. But we would all say, Lord, here I am. Everything I have, everything that I am, I give it to you. And I pray you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen.